Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Legion podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the managing director of the technology marketing agency Bright Vision, as well as host of this podcast. Today we're going to talk about how to double your revenue in 90 days with Simon Severino, who's the CEO and founder of the coaching and um, consulting company Strategy Sprints. Simon helps business owners in software as a service and consulting area to discover how to be able to run their companies more efficiently, which results in that sales source and everything goes more smoothly. And he has a company with uh, coaches all over the world. And he has also designed the strategy sprint method. And we will discuss those things today. So you will learn how his best takes on growing revenue can apply to your company, how you can work more efficiently in weekly sprints, and not to forget how to free up at least 12 hours in your calendar each week. I hope you enjoy our discussion. So Simon, so great to have you with us. Uh, Should we start with strategy sprints? And what is that kind of company? And what do you do? So we get a little bit of a picture of where you're coming from. Yeah, hello, everybody. Um, we are helping uh, entrepreneurs of mainly B2B services and SaaS companies to, to stay sane, to navigate these funky times and not only to grow, but really to scale, which is where the fun is because growing is just a hustle. It's just it's a lot of work and it's two steps forward and one step back. But scaling... This is when the thing gets funny. This is why we started companies in the first place. This is where the flywheel effects come and where escape velocity kicks in, all the things that we will talk about. And when sales becomes to be fun uh, and not a chore anymore. So we coach one-to-one. We have certified strategies, sprints, coaches across the globe from Los Angeles to Shanghai. And, uh, and we are proud that we can help people in these times where it's really needed to have somebody that you can talk things through, have decision support, have good templates and tools to run a business because it's hard to run a business and uh, it's better together. Yeah, so interesting. And I know you work with a lot of cool startups uh, and so on, but you're especially specialized <laughs> in software as a service companies uh, and service companies in general. Why is that? So we specialize on the B2B high-touch, high-ticket sales, and we do it for SaaS and services because this is where we come from. We have uh, our own team. We have created, uh, sold, uh, merged, uh, and created again, Um, uh, SaaS and service companies. And so I am running right now a service company. Strategy Sprints is a service company. And um, so this is what we do. This is what we know uh, how it feels like. We know exactly what what goes wrong in year one, year two, year three, and when the fun starts and how to get to the fun part faster. 
Yeah, that's great. And that's why it's so interesting. I know we have a lot of listeners sitting in on sales and marketing positions in, in both service companies as well as tech and, and SaaS companies. So um, I'm myself a managing director of an agency, aka a service company, so to say. And you claim that you have a method where you can more or less double revenues in 90 days or at least, you know, really scale the revenue growth. So what's your secret source? I'm so interested. I would love to double my sales, you know. <laughs> Every Yes, everybody asks this. Uh, I was asked four times today. And um, it's, it is not so hard. It's not so complicated. I will give you the formula. The formula is pretty simple. It is three, a three-part thing. You have to improve 25% conversion rate from current leads. So there's no marketing needed to double your revenue. Uh, it is current people that you are talking with and they know you and like you, converting them just by 25% more, which is doable in 12 sprints of one week's each. So 25% we increase conversion, 25% we increase the price and also the way you charge. Mm -hmm by doing positioning work. Because when you improve the positioning and the packaging, then you can improve the price. And the third thing is then we improve the frequency. Frequency means how long does it take from awareness to buying? We shorten that sales time. And in the back end, we create a very automated way of upselling and cross-selling which most people don't have. It happens more ad hoc or very manually. But when you have a system for retainment, then you have 25% more lifetime value on current customers. So with these three things, more conversion rate, higher lifetime value and higher price, if you get these three things up by 25%, then you have a plus 99% uh, revenue which is like doubling revenue. And we achieve that regularly in 90 days. Wow, that's, that sounds pretty easy, but I suppose there's a lot of hard work behind the scenes, of course, to get this to work. But that's really interesting that you have identified those three factors to be able to, to double revenue so, uh, so shortly. So no focus on net new customers or white space customers, more like, you know, farming where you are and, and the opportunities you have at hand, as I understand it. Yes. After the sprint, then you can still scale with marketing. Marketing for us is the, it, we think it of like a house. Mm. You, you build the foundations first. That's positioning and operations. Then you go to walls and windows. That's sales. And then there is the roof. The roof is marketing. With marketing, you can scale things. But there is no point in scaling something if, it, if the foundations are not right. Mm -hmm. So first foundations, then scaling. And so in month one, we, we work always in three months when we coach people. Month one, we help them identify what's working right now. So finding the pieces that work. They are usually doing too many things. Like they are on Clubhouse and they are on Twitter and they are on uh, GitHub and wherever they are. So to identify the, the crystals that are in the earth and uncovering them, and then just moving on with the crystals. So month one, identifying what works, 
then Mont 2 putting these pieces together, integrating these pieces better. The magic happens in, in the value chain when you have a, a more integrated flow of marketing, sales, and operations. Most people, they have like silos in between. It's like departments that are, are not fully integrated. When you simplify and integrate these three things, it gets so much easier. I can tell you our processes, how easy it is and how, how beautiful it is to curate it like a garden because it's simple. You come in there, you see it, you like it, you give it a little bit of love. And so week by week, you improve it. If it's complicated, you come, you see, oh my God. <laughs> and, and that's not creating flow. And so in month two, we simplify, integrate operations, sales and marketing. In month three, then now scaling. Now um, pull, pull on uh, now all, all cylinders. Uh, and now you can, you can go full engine now. But first, simplify and streamline. I can tell you examples if you want. So we, had, we worked in, in Berlin with a company who are very creative. They were doing websites, but also logo and branding and kind of everything. So at the beginning, they said, but Simon, how can I simplify this offer? It's creative. It's always different. You know, the service businesses, they think that it must be complicated and it is complicated, but it's not. It is complex and complexity can be simplified. Uh, complicatedness, you really don't need it at all. It's the work of, 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 of the manager to simplify processes. The complexity is still there, but you can uh, package it. So what we did is basically we asked them, okay, what do you do usually in week one with a client and in week two and in week three and in week four? And we, we, we mapped it out with them. It was very simple. They said, well, usually in week one, we ask them a lot of questions. Okay, interview phase, week one, interview. We structured the interviews. Then what do you usually do in week two? Well, we start making some drafts. Okay, prototyping phase. What happens in week three? Yeah, they start uh, agreeing in their team. They disagree on which one to go. Then we go in the second round, third round. And by doing that, we mapped out their value creation. Now we said, okay, what's the winning part? We went through every single part and said, this is the winning part. And that we put forward. So before the sprint, when you would ask them, what do you do? You would hear a 20 minutes narrative, very inspiring, but you had no idea what to buy. Now, when you ask them, what's your offer? They say, we create your brand narrative in 14 days. It costs 30K and it will be on top of your website. So when people come to your website in the first 11 seconds, they will know exactly what you do and they want to work with you. How cool is that? It's simple. Mm -hmm. Everybody understands it. There is still the complexity of the creative process in there, mm -hmm. but they have a, a very simple offer. It's, it's, timely. it's a timely offer. There is an outcome involved and everybody can say, okay, that's what I need or no, that's not what I need. I just need the logo. If you just need the logo, okay, then work with somebody else. Mm. And so at the beginning, they do this brand video that will be in the hero section of the website. And that takes them 14 
days to deliver. It costs 30K. And now they can pick and choose from these clients who, who will get also more offers. Some of them, for, for them, they will do also the website maintenance and the logo, et cetera, if they like them. Then they will do some customized retainers around them. Okay, you give me five per month and I do everything and even WordPress. But that's, that's the beauty of the process that they have now after the sprint. It is like a product. The beginning is very clear. Sales is super simple. Hiring is super simple. There were six people when we started. Now they are 33. Mm. Because it's so simple to sell and, and, and it's also simple to refer to them. If I can explain what they do, everybody can explain what they do. So you can say, oh, go to them. Mm, exactly. Yeah, so interesting. And <clears throat> sounds very powerful. And you were talking a little bit about this sprint system. And I know that's one core part of the whole methodology when you work with clients. So what's so important by using a sprint structure from your point of perspective? And why do you use weekly sprints? Because I think most companies that use sprint, maybe on the agile uh, framework where companies have somewhere between two and six week sprints, mm -hmm. but you're uh, running weekly sprints. Uh, yeah, just elaborate a little bit about your experience around sprints and weekly sprints and that. Yes. So I was very frustrated being in projects that were boring. And I was like, what's, what's wrong here? Why is this project so boring? I don't like to be here. How can I get out of here? And so after getting out of all these projects, <laughs> I had then time <laughs> to develop something better. And I said, okay, mm, how, what's my ideal project? My ideal project is something where I don't have many of them. I have just a couple of them. And I want to meet these people to discuss progress weekly. That's my ideal project, because if you meet weekly, it's really important. Imagine you say, I want to run an Ironman, but you cannot weekly track your progress in training to the Ironman. It's absurd. You wouldn't do it, right? Or let's say my values are, I am a family guy. And then you just see your kids on Sunday. Something is not working there. If you're a family guy, it should happen really often, right? So if I am in a project and we do not track progress, talk about progress, learn from numbers, then I don't want to be in this project because there is something fishy there. Maybe it's super political. Maybe nobody really wants to move stuff forward. So, okay, okay, continue, but it's not for me. So I said, what is for me? For me is a few projects where... You're, you have these components in place. I want me weekly progress, like friends playing basketball. I want to feel, was it three points, two points, zero points? I don't want to wait for six months to get a report about that. What kind of basketball would that be? When you play Angry Birds, you shoot the bird, it says 500 points. You shoot it 600 points. And that's what motivates you to go for 800 points. That's, that's human nature. And so... How can we create a project setting that enables these things? That is natural, it's not boring. You see what the goal is. Everybody has one goal and not different goals. And you can really base this on reality, not on narratives. Because when I say reality, I mean your own data. 
like number of calls that you had, number of uh, lines that you coded, number of prototypes that you built and invalidated, uh, numbers of drafts that you showed the client in that project. These for me are the real numbers. That's reality. If we don't have that, then we discuss narratives. The world is shifting from narratives to reality. Even, even our, our monetary system will change in the next couple of years, is actually changing from a, a narrative-based monetary system like the US dollar or euro to a reality-based monetary system like Bitcoin. So the world is ready now to stop living in narratives and in fantasies and start living in reality. And, uh, and in this situation, I went like, okay, there is something similar on the product level. It's the agile world. And uh, it works really well for products. Why cannot we take what works there and build something for the executive team for how to run a company? And, uh, and yes, we built it uh, for us and it works really well. A sprint is three months, three goals, three numbers, Weekly dashboard, every seven days we watch these numbers, we learn from these numbers. Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Yeah, that's great. And do you share that information with everybody or does every department have their own goals or how do you do that? Transparency is key. So the sprint team in, in our method is four people. One is the business owner. Nothing happens without the owner. And then you, he picks three people or she picks three people, one from sales, one from marketing, one from operations. So you always have these four people in the sprint team. They are moving the project forward. And this way you have made sure that the whole organization is represented here. But you don't want to have 80 people in one project. Otherwise, that's not sprinty. So these four people, they represent every part and they work on form, fit and function of the operations, form, fit and function of the marketing system, form, fit and function of the sales system. And they can decide because these four people, they have everything in the room in terms of knowledge and power to decide. So you can quickly decide, move forward. Okay, let's try these four things then we measure and then we see if we continue them in the next week or not. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of sprints and I suppose uh, there's a few different versions of this, but this sounds like yeah, something that really can speed uh, a company up. So I, I suppose velocity is one of your keywords here, uh, what you actually do and help companies with in, in service and SaaS offerings. One, another area I'm a little bit curious about as well, which also connects well to velocity is of course, CEO effectiveness. That is part of your acceleration uh, methodology here. And I think just as the steps you laid out how to double revenue in 90 days, you also claim that you can save like 12 hours per week in any CEO's schedule, which sounds impossible. Uh, you know, from 
not only CEOs, everybody is so busy these days. You know, we're sitting in meetings and Zoom, Zoom calls, and and I suppose that's both good and bad with the COVID. But uh, I mean, the schedule is fuller than uh, any time else uh, historically. I suppose right now. So, what's the trick there? What should you look for in order to become more effective and save hours from your busy schedules? Yeah, it's interesting that in the pandemic, in the first week, we had more time and now everybody's busier than ever, which is interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so, yes, time is so important. We have three habits and uh, I live them every day as a CEO. Three habits, a daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. The daily habit is that I write down, I can show you my iPad, I'm writing down today the list of the things that I do. And I do it in a template. It says 6.30, running, 8 o'clock, interview, 9 o'clock, deep work, etc. So I have two questions in the evening that I have to answer in this template. One question is, which of these tasks will be done tomorrow by somebody who can do it better than me? And the second question is, if I would live more intentionally and more freely what would I do tomorrow? These two simple questions, five minutes every evening before I create the flow of tomorrow's day. So in the evening, I close down my work day before I go to my kids and to dinner. I close down my work day and I create the flow for tomorrow. But before I do that, I have to reflect on these two things. So my flow of tomorrow will be informed by this reflection. So there will be something in tomorrow about, hey, uh, talk to Michelle about handing over the joint venture partner system, for example, something that I will hand over tomorrow. Uh, and another thing, because I was asking myself about intentionally living in freedom, what is the freedom? So I will say mm, in, my, in my tomorrow's schedule, check my allocation of stocks versus Bitcoin and uh, adapt accordingly because that has to do with freedom that my kids will have mm. and um, freedom that my family will have long term if I allocate correctly or not. So these things are, are a small reflection and then tomorrow's flow uh, will be a little bit better. If you do this every day, now you are finding your time wasters, you are reprioritizing all the time and you, you find things to delegate or to outsource or not to do anymore. Because when I say, okay, I will do half an hour investment uh, uh, allocation, I have to cut something else. What will I cut? Ah, maybe that admin task. I hate it anyways, and I'm really bad at that. Can I delegate that? Is there somebody in my team that can hand it over? Should I hire somebody to do the books for me? And this is super powerful. Alone with this daily habit, when I started my business, of course, I was doing everything myself, right? I was the IT department, marketing department, every department. And so week by week, I have identified things. I started with the things that I hate doing and that I'm, I'm, I am horrible at. Then I went to things that are low leverage. Like if I do them, it doesn't really move things forward. So let's delegate them. And then there are things that I really need to do. What does a CEO, a business owner, really need to do? Vision, hiring, 
firing, performance management, and growth. That's it. And in growth, you have sales, you have also some brand building, uh, some marketing activities, but you have also joint ventures, collaborations with, with bigger players in the field, collaborations with peers, uh, masterminds, both running masterminds and um, being participant in masterminds to, to grow the network, podcasting, books, all these things I did after three years of being in the business because it took me three years to fire myself from fulfillment, first from admin, then from technical tasks, then from fulfillment, and then from sales. That was the, the order of things, how, how I uh, uh, outsourced, delegated, cut stuff. Because it's, it's crucial that you, you regain your freedom. You, you have to make time. You will not have time otherwise. Mm. Yeah. And these things are so important to, to uh, scale the company and, and to have time to think and reflect upon the right moves to make and so forth. So, yeah. Awesome. And your experience is that just by doing this habit daily, you can save up to 12 hours per week in any executive's schedule. If you do this with a sprint coach, uh, currently our average is 13.6 weeks saved per hour per, uh, per week, 13.6 hours per week saved for the CEOs in one sprint. Mm. And we measure that all the time because we, we want uh, to hear if it works and we want to improve it. So, and, and that is mainly this exercise, plus having a, a sprint coach that you can weekly ask and reflect with. Because at, at some points, if you do it alone, I can tell you from my experience, I start delegating stuff, then I don't do it properly, I am frustrated with the quality, and I say, okay, let me do it. Uh, ah, it's weekend, she, uh, uh, she's not working anyway, so I'll do it. So it's, if without a coach, my experience was, it's easy to fall back and, and doing it yourself because you are the fastest one in doing it, etc. And you feel also, of course, more responsible. Uh, and so it, it lands it lands on your desk again easily. That's why for me, it was much easier with a coach. And uh, our clients have great results because they have to report uh, every week of what did you delegate? How did you delegate? Uh, what's next? What's the next hire? Mm, yeah, so interesting. So... From a growth perspective, where do you see uh, a typical sauce or service company have the most low-hanging fruits? Where do you typically start finding leverage uh, when you start uh, working with a company? One low-hanging fruit is positioning. Uh, what are you compared to? So the people who buy from you, what else can they do? And are you really differentiated or are you too comparable? If you are too comparable, then you have always these price discussions and they, they are no good. Uh, they are not good for, for nobody. Uh, and so get out of the price discussions by niching down more. Mm -hmm. So you, you find your uniqueness, you elaborate on your uniqueness, you help people see and, and uh, measure this uniqueness. And then you, you will be compared to other things or to nothing. 
And uh, now you have good positioning. One example is I worked, I did work with a car manufacturer and they were always in a place um, beside other cars, but their car was so expensive that nobody bought it there because people were buying cheap cars. They had an expensive car. Who wants to buy an expensive car in that context? The people who want to buy an expensive car, they don't go to that place. So we said, what is the alternative? What do people buy if they don't buy that car? Well, then they buy a helicopter. Where do people buy helicopters? And then we put the car into that situation. So you had expensive cars, helicopters, small planes, and, and sales went through the roof because it was the right context and the right comparison also from the price point. So it sometimes... You, your positioning is wrong. And with a small move, finding the right niche, uh, you will have uh, better results. One low-hanging fruits, positioning. Oh, that's so great. And, uh, and by the way, I have a tool for positioning that I use every month, half an hour, to refine our own positioning. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to share it with the people listening right now. It's at strategiesprints.com slash equalizer, like the equalizer that the DJ uh, uses. Because every month I do this equalizing uh, work to see which features are comparable to my competitors and which are unique. And when I find the unique ones, I budget more time and more people and more cash onto these features, improving them. And I, I take the cash, the costs from the other features where we are too much comparable. I will not invest anything in something where I can lose to a competitor. I will only invest in where we are unique. Mm. So I cut the costs from there, 20%, 30%, and I put it into what's working well. And I do this every month. That's my budgeting cycle. It's, it's We call it sprint budgeting, but it's, it's just a, a sane form of budgeting. Ah, that's so interesting to hear. And uh, with that, thank you so much for your time, Simon. This was an awesome uh, conversation and an eye-opener from many perspectives, how to be more efficient. And uh, I suppose, I know you have more content there than just this equalizer uh, uh, tool. Uh, So go to strategysprints.com and you can find a lot of more things there. And if people want to connect with you, Simon, where can we send them? So I hang out everywhere, social media. I'm on Instagram at Strategy Sprints. Um, and I also hang out in a Facebook group, which is a private Facebook group. But if you say that you come from you guys, I will let them in. And uh, it, the Facebook group is called Entrepreneurship in Sprints. Well, with that, thank you so much and all the best with uh, Strategy Sprints. And thank you for sharing so freely about all their insights and knowledge about how to scale faster. Thank you for the honor to share these things with your community. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.